how do you actually get to the other side of this line where the, where the process and the life and the meaningfulness and the blessings and the wholeness that we know is our design, we know it is what God wants for us, we have to be able to step into it in a way that we understand what we're doing. Because whenever you're troubleshooting something, the key to troubleshooting something is knowing how it works. And then once you know how it works, you can go in, you know, if that light bulb there wasn't working, then we, because we understand how the electrical system in this building operates, we could troubleshoot it. Maybe it's the bulb, maybe it's the socket, maybe it's the wire, maybe it's the little, whatever you call that junction box, maybe it's the next wire, maybe it's the fuse, maybe it's the, and we can go back through the system because we understand what the problem is where we have not embraced the, the principles in the kingdom is understanding what is going on in our lives as we make this lower journey here, the place where the creature is really the person running our lives. Or this could be self, this could be flesh, this could be darkness, this could be carnal, this could be worldly wisdom. It's all the same stuff that they're trying to give us in scripture, the part of us that is really controlling all of our lives and destroying our lives because uh, the creature is the negative emotions. The creature is the negative thoughts. It's the negative expectation of the future. All of that is being created by this, this being, this, this illusionary identity that we have adopted. And we've talked about that in, in weeks past. And so I encourage you to go back, get the podcast, by the way, Victory Church, Fort Erie, something like that, podcast. What are we doing? Okay. Um, and so what I'd like, what I want to be able to talk today is give us some understanding about the journey that is going on in each one of our lives through this bottom area. Once we understand what happens in this bottom area and why it's happening, we now have the tools that we need in order to navigate it properly. Sometimes it's going to go quickly, sometimes it's going to go slowly, but at least I'm going to understand what it is that is going on in my life. And the thing if here, if, let's, go to, uh, let's go to the scripture here in Mark chapter 3. Pardon me? Sign us up. Pardon me? Hallelujah. Don't distract me front row. Mark chapter 3, are you all there? Yep. Now, I want you to note, just make a special note in your, in your little mind, that Mark chapter 3 comes right before Mark chapter 4. <laughs> uh, I know that's not deep, but you're going to want to know that when we go into, the, into the, the next season that we're going into, I'm trying to get into with the teaching that's coming up. Uh, and the scribes came down from Jerusalem and said, hath, he hath Beelzebub. Jesus, he's, Jesus has Beelzebub. And by the prince of demons cast he out devils. And he came unto him, and he said unto them in parables, Jesus speaking now, how can Satan cast out Satan? If the, de if the kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rises up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand but hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his good except... Uh, he will first bind the strong man and then spoil his house. Now, when you are, uh, let's see where I'm going here. Okay, so I'm doing everything up, upside down to what I expected. So when Jesus is now referring to this, he's casting out devils. And I think what has happened to us, at least, I, and I certainly can tell, that whenever we try to talk about this particular subject, casting out devils has become like something that you do for, you know, demoniacs over in the mountains of some place in remote areas of the world. Instead of realizing the way now that Jesus was setting this up to understand what is that demonic activity in our lives. Always the word, if you go to Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, it says Jesus came here yes. to set free those who are oppressed of the devil. And that, now what that word is in the, in the New Testament, when people had a devil or were impacted or controlled by a devil, 
That word is always the word, word that's something like demonazio or something like that. I'm not getting it quite right, but it's always the same word. Oppressed, possessed, half a devil, uh, under the control of the devil, all of those type of things. And so, but I think what's happened to us as the years have gone on is this concept of having a devil has been really, you know, we've said that's what that person way over at the end of the, you know, lunatic kind of mentally unstable level like the demoniac of Gadara. Let me tell you a story. I was with Dr. Pritulia, Dr. Pritula the other day and I was explaining to him that, you know, with doing the roof, uh, you know, we were using these pneumatic guns. You know what those things are when you hit, you know, the air guns that you nail the roof. And so I was explaining to him that I've got, when I wake up every morning, I've got this, this sort of like, not a pain, but it's like all of my fingers, they kind of are numb like this. And then I have to rub that, no big deal. I have to rub them out, but you know, he's my, he's my physician, as it were, one of my key physicians, him and Dr. Joanna here looking after this beautiful physical body that you see demonstrated, <laughs> specimen that you see before you. And so I had mentioned to him that I had this pain in the back of my hand. Now, when I told him that, he didn't recoil. And he didn't, you know, get a, get, a, get a loaf of garlic and hold it up between me and him or do, you know, anything like that to prevent this, this de debilitating disease to get on him as if something was so desperately wrong with me that I needed to be put off in solitary in a camp somewhere so that it didn't, you know, that's not how he reacted. He just said, well, I explained to him this, you know, this pneumatic gun thing that we were using on the roof and, you know, we've got a thousand, maybe, I don't know how many thousand, probably 8,000 nails. Can you imagine that? I don't know if they were worried about the weight of these things when they did the architecture but we put in 8,000 or so nails in that roof upstairs. Every one of them is a psh, psh, psh. And so the recoil, I didn't do them all, but the recoil of that gun in my hand has created this problem, he said, and I've got, it's actually up here. There's a tendon, my tendon is spasming or something like that. I'm looking at all the construction guys go, yeah, I have that too. And so let me tell you what I did. I wasn't nervous about going to Dr. Pratula and telling him that I had this, this issue. I was, we were at lunch. We weren't even in his doctor's office. I was just saying, what do I? And he gave me the little thing that he needed to do in order to get this tendon here out of spasming so that it would stop that hand problem. Now think about when you were to go to somebody and you say, you have a devil. <laughs> you see how that feels? Yeah. Right, we're kind of like, we're making this you have a devil thing into this really bad thing, and it's not. This is what I want to really diffuse. I really feel like we need to spend some time with this today because anytime you would go to somebody and say, You're of the, you, have, you have a devil, then that person, they're, they're very, especially if they're Christian, they're probably worldly too, they'd probably punch you out, but that's kind of got this stigma to it that makes it something that nobody can admit is going on in their lives. And so this word then for demonazio, it's, let me say it properly, demonazamai, demonazamai. It means to be under the power of a demon. That word demon means spiritual, supernatural spirit of a bad nature, an inferior spirit. That's what the word really means. And that we are under the power of that demon. Now, remember what we were talking about before, that the power, of a, uh, the power of this lower section is deception. When a person is deceived, they are under the power of that deception. How many of you know that? If you're talking to somebody and they are operating, making decisions, understanding their world from a, a, other than any way that is true, then they're operating to some degree under a deception. When we, are, when we are operating like that, we can look into the scriptures and we see that that person, now let's deal with it in the third, third party, it'll be easier for you to accept what I'm saying if, you're not, if I'm not talking about you. But by the way, <laughs> just to set the record straight, anybody who is not perfect like Jesus in what they believe is operating in some degree of deception. Does that make, does that mathematics of that okay yes. with us? Yes. 
in that area where that deception is operating, you are being controlled by the deception. When you read your Bible, that being controlled by deception is what the Bible says, demonazomai. You are under the influence of a demonic thing. And because we have in the New Testament now, we have made this, now don't, please don't go around telling all of your friends that they're, they're of the devil, okay? <laughs> they're not gonna understand this. I'm teaching it to you because I want you to understand the mechanism of how this works from a New Testament perspective. That if we don't renew our mind to the things of deception and replace them with truth, we can be really hard on ourselves and say, in that area, you know, when somebody comes and spits in my face and my first reaction is to spit back, that I am being influenced by a demon in order to think that I ought to spit back. Because I'm a loving person. Right? Remember Romans chapter 7? I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I do want to do. But wait a minute, I do want to do the things that I do want to do, and I don't want to do the things that I don't want to do. Like, what's going on here? Something is wrong because I'm smart enough to figure out I should do it right, shouldn't do it wrong. And so the influence, this pressure, this constant thing that is going on inside of our mind, if we don't understand that that's not you, because you'll see in a moment, that's actually the problem. The problem, well, I'll do it now. The problem is in this area of how do we learn these things? We go through a process. And that process goes like this. One, this is how we go down here, right? How, how big is the oak tree that is in your life? How hard is it to get it out? Depends on how this process of of putting it inside of you and then growing it on the inside of you, how effective that process has been. It starts off, number one, with temptation. Now, this word temptation means to try something out to see if it will work or to uh, prove the worth or character or virtue or quality of something and particularly to test and prove what do you actually believe, okay? So when the devil comes to you, and this is the work of the, of the kingdom of darkness, their job is simply to tempt. And that's all that they do. They just constantly go around in every situation or circumstance that you find yourself in, and their job is to use that circumstance to tempt you. Yeah. Because they wanna see what do you believe. And then they're, as slowly as they start to tempt us, their suggestions start to become something we think about. As we start to think about that thing, then we become what James tells us is enticed. We start to consider maybe that's actually the way that it is. You know, so Michael comes up to me and he spits in my face. Now, I realize he's just excited about what he's talking about, but after a while, I'm realizing, wait a minute, he's just like gobbing up before he comes and talks to me. So I'm thinking maybe he's doing it on purpose. He's using it under this guise of telling me what's exciting about his life, but how come he always has to be poofing in my face? And slowly but surely, the devil's always there to make sure, just give you a tempt, just give you a suggestion, just, you know, this little slow thing that happens constantly. This is the issue. It's constantly happening in our lives. And then once, this, once we get enticed along this process, then we begin to believe it. Now this enticement is really, we're meditating on it. We just sit there and think about it, 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 which is what meditating is. And then we go along here when we actually believe it. You know what, son of a gun, that's what's going on. And then what happens, because we believe it, because this is now still a little bit soft, what happens is then, because we believe it, it starts to manifest in our lives. So when we don't believe in lack and shortage, we don't experience lack and shortage. But then when we start to believe it, 
it starts to manifest in our lives. The just shall live by faith, right? As a man thinks, so is he. Your life looks exactly like what you believe. And so then we start to have experiences with that belief system, even though it's a deception. Now that we start having experiences with it, these things are really more woundings. They're trauma or their addictions, which means I figured out a way to get rid of the pain. As we, as we go down this road now of experiencing the woundings from those belief systems, and so now I believe in lack, let's say, and lack keeps showing up in my life, humiliating experiences, you know, all of this type of thing that happens in my life, I'm having these humiliating experiences and those traumatic, wounding, humiliating, difficult, pressure, emotional, you know, intellectual experiences that I have are so powerful in their ability to root those deceptions into my heart. When I go, you know, if I have an experience with somebody, let's say uh, who do, who, with, uh, with Fred here, and I'm, you know, I'm feeling like I'm going to be rejected because I believe that I'm an unlovable person. And so because I believe that I'm an unlovable person, everybody who gets to know me is rejecting me. So I shot Fred a text the other day, you know, and he took four minutes instead of three minutes to send back my text. And what am I thinking? Of course, he's rejecting me. He hates me because, of course, I'm unlovable. Now, that's not what he's doing at all, right? He's taking a nap thinking the whole world is perfect and loves me, and he would, you know, bend over backwards and, you know, spit nickels if I asked him to, but I'm not perceiving that. I just noticed it took him four minutes to respond to my text, like, what's up? Now, when I, that's happening to me, even though that's, he's not trying to wound me. He's not trying to do anything to me at all. Matter of fact, he's trying to love me. But when I'm experiencing it like this, I'm just reinforcing in all of my experiences. Now, once I believe that the world is going to reject me because I'm an unlovable person, how many of you know you experience it everywhere? No matter where I go, no matter what you do, you could be doing whatever. You could be bending over backwards, doing 99 things right out of 100. And guess which one I'm going to focus on? I'm going to focus on the one that you didn't do quite the way that I wanted you to do it. And then because of that, if I have a rejection spirit, I'm going to feel that you are rejecting me. So what am I going to do? I'm going to reject you back, which is going to cause you to reject me even more. It's a complete illusion. But the illusion has started to deepen my belief system in my heart. As it deepens my belief system in my heart, it becomes what I refer to as a self-evident reality. I remember the first time that I taught, there's no such thing as lack. If you haven't listened to that series, I recommend you get it. But everybody knows that there is lack. But, and we would call it a self-evident reality, that everybody obviously understands that this world is full of lack and shortage, even though it's not. But it has become, because of the financial things, you know, our whole world wraps around this financial issue of how do we survive on, in this world. And so because of that, everybody has had these negative experiences, you know, two kids in a sandbox, one toy, two kids, everybody when they're two years old learns that there's a shortage of toys. How many of you know there is no shortage of toys? But that kid realized there was a shortage of toys because in their small perception, there was a shortage. And they went from there realizing that there were, and then everybody goes through that same example. And then you, you know, you, the kids go to the, to the movies and you can't go because you don't have any money to go to the movies or, you know, your, your best friend gets a sports car and you don't have a sports car and, or somebody else wears Gucci and you have to wear Nike or whatever, or whatever, not to make fun of Nike or Gucci, but you know, all of these things are experiences that we have as we have these, 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 what we would consider humiliating experiences. Really funny, actually, story about that, if I can get to it. But they're humiliating experiences when it comes to our understanding that the world is full of lack and shortage. It's not full of lack and shortage. But as we go down this road, almost everybody on the whole planet 
believes the world is a place full of lack and shortage, even though it's not. My funny story is when you, when you go to Africa, uh, I shouldn't use Africa because that's a continent, not a country. Uh, if you go to a different countries in, Afri in the continent of Africa, let's say Uganda, let me be clear, and you'll, it, it's, it's amazing because you, you're looking at a world that is so full of you know, lack and shortage. That's just the way that it is. Not that there's not rich people there. There are rich people there. But people, by and large, experience a lot of lack and poverty there. But they're walking around because we send them all of our used clothing. They're all walking around in Gucci shirts and you know, Nike and all of these high-end designer product clothing. And it weirds you out in your head. And you realize, okay, I think the whole branding thing in our culture, that may be a bit of an illusion that we buy into. You take your, you know, you go there, you're going to dress nice, so you're going to take your cool Gucci stuff and wear all of your labels and all of your, you know, your, you know, and you find out that everybody has that on. It's kind of a weird experience for us when we realize, wait a minute, we got to start rethinking how we look at some of this stuff because it begins to mess with us on what we think is real in our culture and what we think is valuable. Anyways, that's just my short little story. So the problem that you get into now is that you can probably see from going down this list that the control that a deceiver, let's use it like that so that I'm not saying you all have devils, even though as we go down this road, you're, you're, the control of the deceiver increases. Do you see that? Because the more a person realizes that what they believe is actually the true situation, the more it roots into the reality of their heart. Now the objective becomes, how do we go backwards? This is probably not great for the camera guys, by the way, for me to have it up here. As we try to then go backwards in this curve right here, the curve is going backwards up this process of, let's call it, indoctrination in the things of deception. If we don't accomplish that journey, this is why it's so important God has me here talking over and over and over about this part of the chart. If we are not able to embrace the fact that, the, that I am, if anywhere in my life where I am operating, operating under deception, or, as we spoke about before, any place in my life where negative thoughts and emotions, negative expectations of the future, or fear is operating inside of my life, that is always an indicator that there is some level of control that has been, been put on the inside of your heart by a supernatural spirit of inferior sort. You know what I'm able to do from, from where I'm standing right now? I am able to pull up an app on my, on my iPad here, and I can control the volume of my voice. How many of you are impressed by that? I can, from here, I can change the temperature in this room. Matter of fact, from here, I can change the temperature in my house. Do you know why I can do that? Because I've put a program into my, my thingamajig here, my iPad here, and that program has through Wi-Fi connected to the control box on the soundboard or on the thermostat. I, and that is, a, I'm able to control it by the, the seed or the program that I have put inside of my iPad. Can I tell you, that's how demon things happen in our lives. They get to control us when they, not by physical force, but by putting the seed inside of our inner programming system, and then out of that inner programming, we all live our lives by perceiving the world that is around us. In order for us to be able to grasp how we get out of this process, we have to accept that this is how the process works. Because looking at the New Testament, there is, well, let's go there. Let's take a quick couple looks at it. When you look at the, at the, in the New Testament when Jesus was here and he began to talk about the process of getting out. So go with me over to Luke chapter 11. 
Luke chapter 11 and verse 14 says this, and Jesus was casting out a devil and it was dumb. That means it, 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 it couldn't speak. Maybe we don't use it that way in English language. And it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb man spake, spoke and the people wondered. But some of them said, Jesus casts out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of devils. And others tempting him sought, a sign from, sought from him a sign from heaven. And he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against itself falls. And if Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because you say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I cast out devils by, uh, uh, if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? And therefore they shall be your judges. Remember, we talked about that before. We judge others the way we are ourselves. Anyways, he says here now, so Jesus is then talking about the concept of the, the casting out of devils. In verse 20, it says, but if I, Jesus speaking, but if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come unto you. Can I tell you something? That, that phrase, the kingdom of God has come unto you, is only referenced two times in the New Testament. How do you know the kingdom of God has come unto you? One is that devils are being cast out. Two, in uh, I think it's Luke chapter 10 or so, it talks about when healing happens. So the kingdom of God, the part of it that most of us experience, at least what we're talking about right now in this teaching and this series that I'm on, is the transformation that happens in our lives when we remove the deception and we embrace the truth. Yeah. Evidence that the kingdom of God is here on this earth, the evidence of that comes from the fact that we can actually make that transition. Amen. Or what Jesus is saying here, when we can cast out devils. But the problem we're dealing with is that most of us think that the only people that have devils are the people who are really, 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 really far gone. Rather than opening up the New Testament to express any time a, a deception has any influence over us at all, that influence is being exercised by a demonic spirit. And we bec it becomes normal. It's like sin, right? People in the church, we don't wanna be called sinners. Uh, and so with the whole concept in, the, in our world of being a sinner has a very negative context to it. And because of that, everybody just wants to be, I'm righteous and so I'm not a sinner. When sinner means that I do things other than the way God would do them if he was here doing the things I'm doing. And so when I, if God says, put your left pant leg in before you put your right pant leg in, and I do it the other way around, that's sin. And we have to get the bar down so that all of us Christian New Testament people aren't rejecting these concepts and saying, well, not, he's not talking about me because I'm yeah. not a sinner. Yeah, yeah. Or in today's message, when it comes to being personally transformed, I believe, at least for in my own life, when I know that I'm being a chump to the kingdom of darkness, when somebody has control over me, all of a sudden the fight's on. All of a sudden I realize, wait a minute, I'm not giving into that. You spit in my face, I'm gonna do everything I can to spit back. I may spit back, but I'm gonna do everything I can not to spit back because I don't wanna be a chump. Yeah. I don't wanna be just somebody that gets towed around by this little inferior spirit yeah. and he's gonna decide for me everything. I'm just gonna be this little goofball that goes around. Yeah. <clears throat> do you remember in... In Acts, uh, let me go to the actual scripture so those of you are taking notes. I do hope you're studying this in your own Bible because you really, need to, um, you really need to go through this yourself so that you can see when it comes to the way the New Testament is supposed to be operating that we need to de-demonize, if you want to say it like that, get rid of this concept that only the worst of the worst people who are going to hell are those people who are demonized. When, when demonized just means I'm under the influence of a deception, then all of a sudden I can embrace that very openly and say, you know what, I'm not looking to be influenced by no inferior spirit. So I need to engage in this process so that first of all, I can at least even see 
that what they're doing to me is they're deceiving me. That's the first place of me realizing, wait a minute, I'm operating under a lie here. And no, who wants to be doing it wrong intentionally? Nobody. So if we can open up that door and just be okay with the fact that there is this human condition that we have here, that the soul realm is very influenced by these demonic, this demonic activity. We think we're alone inside of our heads and we're not. And there's these voices and temptations and, you know, just perspectives that are being given to us all the time. And then we realize if, you know, like it's like when a fly comes in your house. How many of you just sort of, how many of you put a little tray out to feed the fly? How many of you do that? <laughs> Nobody does that because they know it's a fly. It's a dirty little thing that's yeah. going to be, you know, you come in my house, you dead. That's just how this goes. <laughs> but you see, we don't do that because we're all pretending we don't want to deal with the fact that I might be influenced by a devil. Uh, and it's just preventing us. It's like people who won't go to the doctor. You know, they have a pain somewhere where you ought not have a pain, but they won't go have somebody check it out. That's just not smart. And so when we're dealing with these things of getting through the under part of this curve where all the human problems are, we need to be able to demystify all of this and say, this is what's going on. I'm just going to embrace the process. And the, by embracing the process, I have to admit that this is what's gone on in my life, that this stuff has started to have influence over my life. I'm way off my notes. So just take a, take a moment here. Let's go to the damsel. Go to Acts chapter 16 for a moment. In Acts chapter 16, then, we have this story. Do you all remember about the lady who was caught under the spirit of divination? Do you all remember that story? Here it is in verse 16. It came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The, the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, these men are servants of the most high God, which show us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and he came out that selfsame hour. That word up on the top there that says possessed is the Greek word echo, E-C-H-O. And that word echo, where's my note, means to hold in the sense of wearing. This is that place down at the bottom here where we have adopted a belief system that we consider a self-evident reality. In our culture, we have hundreds of these concepts that we believe are indisputable, don't even debate them truths, axioms, or self-evident realities. I believe that when we come to this place, we are in, like this person, this young damsel, who is so controlled by the kingdom of darkness that it would be an echo, or the way this, the imagery of this is the little dummy, the little puppet, that literally the demonic force has the ability to control that person as if they were a hand puppet. What we have allowed to happen in the kingdom of God is that deceptions, worldliness, concepts that a hundred years ago were completely off the edge of the map for a Christian. Now those concepts have come to the place where they're pretty much mainstream in our culture. Now I know this is Sunday morning, but there's no point in me trying to get to the next stage we're going to, and that is living above the line. If we're not all able to accept the fact that in a lot of the places of our lives, especially as Christians, by the way, we have the reputation to being high achievers in some of these not good areas where th concepts are not firmly understood properly. It's like the concept, you know, I'm waiting on God. You know, I don't know why God isn't helping me. I don't know why God is not talking to me. I don't know why God's not blessing me. 
most of us have used those words in the last week, one of those. That's just not the way it works. That's the way we were taught it works, like a pagan world, you know, where I have to sacrifice my virgins in order for me to, for me to be okay with God and then God will bless me. That's completely not the way the world works. Jesus has already gone to the cross. There is nothing separating me from the love of God ever. I could walk up to you and shoot you right in the head and God would still love me. Probably more, knowing some of you. I wasn't looking at you, Ernie. I wasn't, I wasn't looking at you. We have to realize that those concepts, although they are deeply rooted as truths in our lives, it's the way we have understood Christianity to be. And because of that, we have not engaged, even though we understand how the kingdom works, God has released those things to us. We're still trying to do things based on what, trying to win God's favor. Let me just take a look. Can I take two more minutes? I have to take the offering up right now, but let me just, where did I put those couple of notes? Um... Oh, I got too many pages, not enough time. You're okay, you're okay to find it? Consider the, the issues of, is God real? Is the Bible true? Is heaven real? The concept of the, the, the God wants the kingdom of heaven to invade earth. You don't come to church just to put in time. But that what we're doing is we're, we have to get the heaven to invade earth. My purpose my purpose for being born again wasn't to skip hell and go to heaven. My purpose was to fulfill the destiny that God had for me. You see, these are primary concepts that, are, that need to invade the belief system of us as Christians. How many Christians do you know that are afraid to die? How many do you know that are afraid to sacrifice for the kingdom? Can I tell you, that means that you're not sure about your eternity. You're not sure where you're going. When you're sure where you're going, one, you're not afraid to die, and two, you realize that this is, life is just a vapor, and the more I can serve God and serve others through this life, the more valuable my next part of my life is gonna be. But how many people in Christianity now are really trying to protect their lives, who are trying to hold on to everything that this life has to offer when that would indicate to, to that person, if they were looking at themselves carefully, being an honest with their own heart, they would say, I'm not sure if I really understand eternity, and I don't really think I understand the fact that God is with me, and he's going to have this great life for me. These are some of the things that in our lives, I am, the people who are stuck, I remember I, when I went through this, I can, this was a struggle for me, a terrible struggle for me when I had to come face to face with the fact that I don't, I think I love my life. I don't think I really believe, I took me, I probably studied heaven and the concept of heaven for three years until I got, I got too far down that road and hated my life here, but I had to take time to really embrace the fact that the same Bible that says I'm saved and that Jesus died on the cross for me is the Bible that says heaven is real and that that's my real life that what I have here is just a womb experience. You see, as we go in, and I'm probably gonna have to now spend a, a little bit more time with this as we go further on an understanding of how this demonic activity works. But this activity is very specifically designed to separate you from the love of God. As a specific point, there's three things that the kingdom of darkness wants to do in our lives. Let me go, I'm just, I'm bumping around here pretty good, so be patient with me if you can. Um, okay, number one, this is, these, are the, these are the primary ones that hold us ensnared, okay? So number one, if good things happen in my life, That's because of me, or in fact, the creature. The creature is that identity that I have adopted because I feel vulnerable and alone. Two, when bad things happen, 
they want to tell you that that's the devil. Because here they want pride in your heart. Here they want fear in your heart. And then finally, number three, when good things are supposed to happen, but don't, but don't. Or bad things happen that shouldn't. That's God. Because this is to alienate us from God through unforgiveness. And, you know, if it, if it, if it gets further down the road, it's um, contempt. Now realize, as the kingdom of darkness is living all of your experiences with you, they are this creature, this being that is in the soul realm speaking to us constantly with all of their suggestions, all their temptations, all of their ideas, all of their perceptions. They're just nattering in our ear, literally from the day that we're born. As they are going through those things, they're trying to get us to, to, to absolutely adopt the identity of the creature by reinforcing to us whenever something good happens in our lives, that's because of, your, that's because of the creature. That's not God. That's certainly not God. That's the creature. You need this person who is well-educated and smart and manipulative and controlling and selfish and all of these type of things. And that especially, remember, in our culture, our culture has made a, has made a concept out of these things. All of these things to us feel normal. They feel like they are the way that we are supposed to be because we are so reinforced in the good things that are happening in our lives. Good things are happening in our lives all the time. Even worldly people experience good things in their lives. And the devil is able to use all of those good experiences to make us prideful, to make us really celebrate the identity of the creature that is in our lives. It does it so quickly that what I'm noticing happening in people's lives is that they are adopting the identity of the creature earlier and earlier and earlier and earlier in their lives. Then the second thing that they're doing is they want us to be afraid of them. So when I fall down, the devil is right there to say, that was me. And if you don't obey me, if you don't do it my way, I'll make you fall down again. And that creates this fear that we have of the kingdom of darkness. And so when we try to deal with those things, we don't feel like we have the power to deal with them because we are so afraid of them. But what we fear controls us. And then finally, when it comes to God, especially for people who are religious people, who are Godward, we learn, and this is kind of the, this is what has been the self-defeating process of learning to walk by faith. Because when I learn that God should be blessing me, I always think that he should be blessing me more than he does. Yeah. That's like you looking at your bank account. Anybody, anybody ever go to their bank account and wonder who's taking money out of their account because there should be more money in their account? Does anybody have that experience? We always think we should be blessed more. And that's the open door. And so I start getting mad at God. I don't think I can trust God because he's not blessing me the way I think he should be blessing me. Or a negative thing happens in my life, a trauma or something, you know, because of my belief systems, there are negative things that can happen in my life. And God, because I go to church every Sunday, God is supposed to be preventing those things from happening in my life. And when, so when good things happen, uh, when th good things don't happen, I blame God. When bad things happen that are not supposed to, I blame God. What do I learn out of this experience? If my complete interaction with you was always to let you down in your mind, because I'm perceiving every good thing that's happening because I deserve it and I'm an awesome person. I never see God in the great things that are happening in my life. I see me. So there's never a time in our lives when, the, when these demonic deceptions are going on with us, there's never a time in our life, unless we kind of come to church and go, ooh, 
hallelujah, Jesus is so awesome. The devil, the demonic inferior spirit, supernatural inferior spirit is constantly telling me and ensnaring me in one of these three ways of thinking or all of them. And once we get into that place, we can no longer do anything but trust in me. And the more I trust in me, the stronger the creature becomes. So as long as I am separated and alienated from God, I am scared of the kingdom of darkness and I am really confident in me. How many of you that sounds like I'm gonna be one of those little hand puppets? Just doing whatever it is that they tell me to do, reacting however they want me to react, seeing the world however they want me to see the world, just simply because this activity has been a constant 24 hours a day, seven days a week since the day we were born. The kingdom and the message of Jesus over and over and over again. This is in Mark chapter 3. It is in Luke chapter 11. It is in uh, what do I did? Matthew chapter 12. It's the same concept that God is talking to us about that the, the process of delivering ourselves from the influence of the kingdom of darkness in our lives. And that the New Testament, the kingdom of God coming into the lives of a human being is when we have the ability to see that this is what the kingdom of God is doing for us. That that whisper, that perspective, that thought process is not me. That thought process is being injected into my psyche, into my soul by a demonic inferior spirit. And the more I give into it, the more I am controlled by that force. When the kingdom of darkness, I mean the kingdom of heaven is the most powerful force in the earth. And all I need to do in order to operate in this way is to forget about the deception, step over the line, identify those type of things so I don't let them go on in my life anymore and start building up my soul in the things of the kingdom of God. As my soul makes this transition from thinking and feeling and understanding and perceiving the world through the eyes of the kingdom of God, instead of through the eyes of this intrusive kingdom of darkness, I will have entered the kingdom of heaven in my life. I will have gone across this line, literally turning my back on all of these concepts along here. That is the single job of the New Testament. Getting people to the other side of this line where the truth is now a stronghold in their lives. That's it. This is, when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God coming to the earth, you experiencing the kingdom of heaven in your life, the number one way that you experience the kingdom of God operating in your life is going from a place where we are influenced here by the kingdom of darkness until the self-evident realities of our life are based on the truth. That's it. That's as simple as the New Testament is. It, it's not easy. We have to go through this journey, particularly for our culture that is steeped, heavily steeped in this stuff. Can I tell you, this is why the kingdom of God is flourishing in the nations. This is what they're experiencing over in Uganda. The kingdom of God is flourishing in the nations right now because people's hearts are desiring to come across that line. The pride issue is not as developed as it is. And I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not please don't hear me judging you. I am, I am, you know, three fingers back at me when I'm pointing, you know. I understand this is our journey as New Testament people in North America. But we are so gifted with the, the revelation and the understanding, all each one of us need to do is just say, okay, I'm gonna create across that line. I'm gonna stop this, this flow, uncontrolled flow of negativity that is going on in my mind being injected by all these. I'm just gonna stop it. I'm just not thinking about it anymore. And if I start thinking about it, I'm just not gonna think about it anymore. I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna learn. 
Just like I learned to get the peas off the plate and put them in my mouth, you know, you didn't come out of mommy knowing how to do that. You had to learn how to control that muscle. Simply, the New Testament is just learning how to control the muscle that's up here. And stop giving in to things like offense and unforgiveness and lack and sickness and poverty and torment. Just don't, just stop thinking about it. Somebody comes up to you and spit in your face, just spin it for good. Thank you for the shower. Appreciate that. Spin it for good. You just got to do it every single time. Find the best in everything that is going on in your life. Even if they are actually spitting in your face, it's not doing you any good to think about the fact that they're spitting in your face. The only thing that will do you good is to turn it for good and see the good in what they're doing. Assume the best, the Bible says, of every person, of every situation, and just say goodbye to everything that is going on on negative thoughts and emotions. Just put your hand over your heart and say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, it is my desire, my heartfelt desire to get across that line and live in eternity in the kingdom of heaven. And I know eternity starts now. I know you have a great plan for my life you have everything in place for transformation to happen in my soul. All I need to do is start the journey. All I need to do is stop all demonic activity right at the door. So Holy Spirit, here's my commitment. From this moment forward, no longer does the kingdom of darkness get to speak to my soul without my knowledge. From this moment forward, I choose to think the thoughts of truth. Think the thoughts of the scriptures. Think the thoughts that the Holy Spirit is illuminating in my life. I declare today, I'm not a chump. I declare today, I'm no longer giving in to the whispers of the kingdom of darkness. In Jesus' name.